0: welcome to the art of charm I'm your host Jordan Harbinger today we're back with Sally Hogshead we're going to be discussing well some of my particular personality quirks but also those of my producer and more importantly we're going to be talking about the results of the art of charm audience at large according to the personality test that Sally gave there's a lot of new material here so if you're a Sally Hogshead fan there's going to be a lot of things in here that you haven't heard and not just about uh, where my dysfunctions lie but in the results as a whole what those mean for you and how you can apply them or not apply them to get great results in your business and in your home life. So enjoy this episode with Sally. And by the way, if you're new to the show, we'd love to send you some top episodes and the Art of Charm toolbox. That's where we discuss things like reading body language and having charismatic nonverbal communication, the science of attraction, negotiation techniques, networking and influence strategies, mentorship persuasion tactics and everything else that we teach here at the art of charm so check that out at theartofcharm.com and also at theartofcharm.com slash podcast you can find the full show notes for this and all previous episodes of the show all right here's sally hogshead Today we're back with my friend Sally Hogshead who was on the show just recently discussing her book Fascinate and of course there's a you're like the personality test queen Sally somehow and I don't mean that in a Cosmo kind of way I mean in, I mean that in more of a Strength Finders 2.0 kind of way
1: Cool cool yeah I'm 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 down with you on that we had 3400 people so it's we're we're closing in on 4000 people now from your community do the assessment so we got some pretty incredible results that I'll share with you later
0: that's insane, especially because the show didn't come out that long ago. And frankly, we only mentioned it a few times on the show. We didn't mail it out or anything. I'm very pleasantly surprised by that. And I saw some of the results here, which I want to discuss later as well. And we'll make that available to people on the Art of Charm website as a, as a blog post. And we'll figure that out as well.
1: Great. Yeah, great. It, it, it's pretty remarkable. I'm excited to be able to share it with you because we measured a million people. And your audience is different than any group we've ever measured.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to keep a little curiosity going. We can talk about that one later, Jordan.
0: Yes, let's do it. But let's talk about right now, let's talk about personality danger zones and situations that might be where we might be seen in a negative light and what we can do about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, every person every person's Personality and personal brand has certain qualities that make them incredibly attractive, and these are measurable. This is what I've spent my career measuring. How are you most likely to make a positive impression? How are you most likely to impress and influence the person who's sitting on the other side of the table, who's sitting in the audience when you're giving a speech? But another part of what we discovered in our research is that there are very specific and predictable ways that you can make a negative first impression in other words ways that you can damage your personal brand ways that make people less likely to return your call or listen to you at work so to give you an example of what i'm talking about uh, you, you love humor we love humor and that the show has a lot of um, great wit around it but l- let's take let's take a guy we'll name <laughs> him joe
0: that's generous uh, but thank you continue <laughs> <laughs>
1: Joe, let's say Joe thinks he's really funny. And as far as he's concerned, a sense of humor is one of his best traits. But there's only a one problem, which is nobody else thinks Joe is funny.
0: Story of my and life.
1: That is a problem. You know, if just because you think you're funny, if nobody else thinks you're funny, then by definition, you are not funny. It's a two sided exchange. That's a good it's point. It's a feedback loop. Yeah. So this loop goes between the joke teller and the audience. And so it's not enough to just think about how do you see your audience? Do you think a joke is funny? What really matters is what kind of perception does your audience have about you? If they're not in sync with you, if they're not listening and and laughing, or if they're not hiring you and agreeing with you, then you're probably not making a great impression. So in our last show, we were talking about How important it is to understand how other people see you, that it's not just like Myers-Briggs and disc and Colby and other personality tests that it's not today. It's not a matter of how do you see the world? It's a matter of thinking, how does the other person see you at your best? How are you most likely to be able to create a relationship with them quickly to engage with them? So here's the bad news. There are also certain traits that are almost like a fatal flaw within your personality. And when you go into this space, you're going to turn people off. You're going to step on toes. You're going to damage your reputation. People are going to be far less likely to want to be friends with you, to hire you, to attract you. We found is there's a formula behind this. And it's kind of the flip side of what your number one advantage is. So uh, let me describe what I mean. There's certain situations when you get stressed, you get tired, you feel out of whack, and you kind of become exaggeratedly one-dimensional in your personality. And when this happens, the quality that makes people most likely to respect and like you becomes a disadvantage. So um, let's take a power personality. Power personalities are strong, they're emphatic, they're confident, they're great leaders, but when they start becoming Um, aggressive banging their fist on the table, then they not only are they going to not get people to be on their team, but they're going to make people um, um, less likely to buy into their ideas. Sometimes people who are trustworthy, they're very consistent. They're great at building relationships. They like to be able to do things the same way over and over again, which makes people feel comfortable with them, makes people feel relaxed. But when trust personalities become locked in on one way of doing things, well, that's kind of a turnoff. It's a, um, it's the, the guy who says, Oh, I don't, I don't need to use email because uh, that's a newfangled technology huh. or somebody who just won't get with a new program at work. So here's the thing to, to, Think about what are the qualities that allow you to shine? And then in in stressful situations, how are you flipping those around to have negative qualities? It's almost like when you have certain advantages that allow you to stand out, it, it becomes too much of a good thing. When you're hungry, when you have a deadline, um, I call this a double trouble because you're taking uh, your number one top trait, you're doubling up on it and you're creating a negative reputation most of us have a core advantage at work. We have certain ways that we know there are projects that we work on or people that we work with that make us most likely to succeed. Um, I'm a really creative thinker. I love doing things when I can I can kind of run with it. I don't like to be restricted to a certain rigid format. But when I get too creative, like when I get kind of ADD-ish, it's really hard for people to keep up with what I'm talking about. And uh, And that's what happens with a lot of creative thinkers. One of the things that we found in your group, Jordan, is um, you have a lot of really creative people in your audience. So here's the upside of creativity. It allows you to come up with new solutions. The downside of creativity is that it makes people feel like you're being erratic because you're not following that rigid structure. On the flip side, uh, people who are really detail-oriented, who are meticulous, that's a, that could be an advantage too. But when people become too detail-oriented, <laughs> they're seen like control-freaky. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important for you to be able to find people who can compensate with you at work so that your your positive attributes don't turn into pitfalls.
0: Right, right. Because otherwise, you turn out to be those like the micromanager. Well, you know, this should be a different font. Otherwise, good job. And it's like, I want to kill you.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guy. You, you, you've probably seen this happen it, like let's say you work in a um in a in a startup or in an office, um, somebody who scores really high on alert, meaning they're really good at details, they usually come over to the person who's really creative and they're like, Okay, we have a deadline at five o'clock, it's two o'clock, just making sure that you are gonna be done on time and the creative person's like I haven't even really started coming up with the exact idea yet. (laughs) You know, creative Mm -hmm. people love to be able to push it to the last minute. Um, So the creative person is taking too much time to think of something new. The alert personality is being too rigid, uh, closing someone into a box. And this is why there's a lot of friction among people at work. The key is to know how you're most likely to make a positive impression, but watch out because there is such a thing as too much of a good thing.
0: Yeah, this seems like it could be a really you could you could throw people off balance here. And I I noticed that our audience results are really interesting. I definitely want to have a further discussion about that. But how do we know if we're heading into our our personality danger zone, some place where we're going to be out of our element or be seen in a negative light? How do we are there warning signs that we can look at where we're like, oh, you're you're walking into a minefield right now?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. When does it happen? And the answer is, it usually happens at the worst time possible. Mm-hmm. Can you give me an example of a type of situation that totally stresses you out? Something where you know you're you're going to start to freak out, where your um, that little alarm button inside of your brain is going to start dinging.
0: Right. Okay. So maybe I feel like we're not moving forward, or I'm not moving forward, and all of the other people who are supposed to be working with me on a project take my feedback and go, yeah, 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 just uh, write that in an email and we'll get to it. And I know that it's just going into a file where they're like, this is where Jordan vents and then we do our own thing and go to lunch and it yeah, drives and, me crazy. And f- then we get even more stressed and
1: you probably get pissed off. Oh I mean, yeah. That's a, it's, and the, part of the reason why you're so good at what you do, we talked about last time that you score really high in achievement and confidence. And so when something gets in the way of you being able to deliver a result, that's pretty stressful for you. Yes, um, be, And also because you're in a position of leadership. So when you start to get in those types of situations, it's important for you to think, am I starting to hit the freak out level? where my stress is overriding my ability to communicate in an effective way. Are you starting to push people so hard or so ineffectively that they're gonna, they're gonna shut down and, and walk away from you? When you fall into this kind of danger zone, here's what that's gonna look like. What you're describing is called the aggressor. It's somebody who becomes so focused on the end goal, on the accomplishment, that it's almost like they'll do a scorched earth philosophy to make sure that things get finished. And then they become impatient. And for other people, that can feel really, really uncomfortable because it's, you know, they they turn into small woodland creatures. Yes. Yeah. Um, here's Here's another example. We've all had the situation where we're working with somebody. Um, and he's social, and he's expressive, and he's got a big heart. He, uh, he's warm and approachable. He builds connections. Everybody kind of, like, loves having him in the meeting or having him in the party, sort of the, the heart and soul of the company. But then one day he has, say, uh, um, something something that happens that hurts his feelings or insults him, or there's really an awkward vibe going on with somebody else at work. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, just way too much emotion. It almost feels like it's theatrical, and it kind of shows you a little bit of a different light of his personality, sort of like TMI. People kind of back yeah, away, like right. having a raw nerve ending around. And and that's that's when uh, somebody's passion, which is normally a positive and normally it helps that person become more successful, becomes a huge danger zone for them. The so one way that we want to make sure that we're, we, we can know that it's happening is um, a couple of things. You don't have to change who you are. So it's not, Jordan, it's not that you don't want to be confident and goal-oriented, it's just that you need to be attuned to how that your communication style is affecting your relationships and affecting the kind of impression you're making on other people. Um, I, like I said a moment ago, I score really high in innovation. So for me, creativity is something that feels very natural. It feels energizing to me. But I also have to be careful that when I'm in that brainstorming mode, coming up with a whole bunch of different ideas, I have to make sure that my clients are or my team members have to be able to see how I'm connecting the dots. Otherwise it feels like random chaos to them. Yeah. So for all of us, that's the case.
0: And do our personality types or where we end up getting into a personality danger zone. This obviously depends on our personality type, right? Since I'm in a leadership role, since I'm a hard charger, for both good and bad. I'm going to end up in that same problem. But what about Jason? What, what are Jason's personality danger zones?
1: Jason's an avant-garde. That's what we learned last time when he did the assessment. Jason's going to get really frustrated when things um, feel like they're getting stuck. It's similar to you because you two have similar scores. But Jason likes to be able to see what's next. He doesn't want to repeat things. He wants to be able to constantly be be chomping on something that's going to be around the corner. So for him, he gets frustrated when he feels like people are stuck in the mud. Um, He doesn't like patterns. He really thrives on being able to invent his way as he goes. He wants to be able to, to raise standards, but he wants to do that through creativity. So for Jason, one of the things that he's going to need to watch out for is first of all, that he, that he isn't perceived as being cold or judgmental or imperious. He doesn't want (laughs) to seem like he's being arrogant or superior because if he starts getting kind of, uh, um, if he has idea snobbery, Mm. <laughs> then it's going to push people away. It's going to shut people down. Have you ever seen them get in that mode? Oh
0: my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He yeah, has a whole
1: hard charging harbinger.
0: Your, your whole show <laughs> is, is idea snobbery. It's all stupid people. <laughs> grumpy is yeah, it's, it's called it, grumpy old thing, geeks.
1: So your greatest, your greatest strength is your worst weakness. In this case, the way you're most likely to make a positive impression and to contribute to, to your brand is also the way in which you're going to undercut your ability to make connections. And what happens is, when, once you start turning people off in consistent and predictable ways, <laughs> like by being um, an idea snob on one hand, which is a good thing, but by being arrogant is not a good thing, people stop wanting to reach out and connect with you.
2: Yeah, well, I don't need those people anyway, screw <laughs> <True on. laughs>
1: and you know what? They, that's actually, th- that is not a bad point. I am not good at rigid schedules and fixed routine. It bugs the crap out of me. It's not gonna allow me to be at my best. And that's a pattern that we saw in tremendous um, consistency throughout the 3,400 people who've done the Art of Charm Fascination Advantage Assessment with the code that we gave. Pete, your your audience loves creativity. They don't like oversharing. They don't want to have to hold other people's hands, metaphorically. Um, They like to be confident, but they don't like to be overbearing. They um, they're uncomfortable in situations and with they have to go direct head on head competition um, and they hate details. So that doesn't describe every single person in the group. But as a whole, your audience likes to be creative, nimble, independent, observant um, and taking action in their own way on their own schedule.
0: That sounds that sounds like a lot of the people that write. And I mean, we get such a diverse group of folks here at aoc and in fact that's a nice segue into the results of the entire aoc audience which took this exact test and is it too late for people to grab their test? I mean, it seems like if they listen to this and they're super interested, they should be able to go back and do it. But I wanna make sure that's okay with you first.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're gonna keep the code open um, for, for a while longer. And one of the things that we wanna do is make sure that we share all these results with you. So what we could do is we can um, we can give you a fresh set of analytics that people can see themselves represented. They might make a, a um, it might help for me to give a quick bit of background on the research yes. behind this, just so it, in a snapshot. Um, most personality assessments, like I mentioned a moment ago, they're, they're based on psychology. So they're based on how you see the world. And I flipped it around and created the first algorithm that measures how do other people see you At your best. So it's not based on psychology. It's based on branding. And um, out of the million people we've tested, we found that if we have 200 people, we can get a pretty good idea of a certain group. But for your group, we have 3,400 people, which means this is very statistically significant. What what you'll see in here is out of the people who took it, they don't want to be dominant. They don't like to be dogmatic. Instead, they like to be able to collaborate and to share ideas. They, they're more than anything, they're irked by consistency, <laughs> so they, <laughs> they don't want to have the same thing served over and over again. Um, their number one advantage, in other words, the number one advantage that's most likely to define how they're seen at their best is they communicate with substance. They don't like fluff. They don't like rah-rah. They like to listen before they speak. They love to consume content and they like to be able to um, open up themselves slowly. In other words, they're not going to wear their hotter on their sleeve. They're not going to jump right into the center of the dance floor and instead they want to watch, listen and learn. And I think that's really reflected by the way you guys add so much great content that you always have great takeaways and that, um, um, that your sh- the shows are never about you know, um, uh, 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 superficial inspiration or here's what you could do. It's very much about um, um, action steps that people can take as soon as they're done listening.
0: Yeah, we strive for concrete takeaways. We strive for practicals, obviously, of course, in every show that we do. Because otherwise, it's it's no good if it's just here's a bunch of random stuff I learned that you can't apply.
1: That's your way of doing it. i like, I I totally agree with you. But there are a lot of there are a lot of really successful podcasts that are fluffy. Or, I mean, that's that's a pejorative word. That are that are much more about um um let your spirit soar and let's just talk about what feels good. And that's not your style, and that's that that's not the way in which you're going to be perceived at your best.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think for for me personally, for us, we're, we like to be well prepared and detail oriented. But yeah, it makes sense that our audience is also a bunch of folks that are kind of like us where details, yes, but mostly results less about the details, more about the results.
1: Yeah. And also about um, there's it's one thing to focus on this on the details that really matter. It's another thing to be just um, anal compulsive. You know, like we were talking about the control freak a moment right. ago, sort of details for the sake of details.
0: So what can we gather from the data from the Art of Charm participants? I'm looking at a lot of spreadsheets here. It looks like, yes, people don't like to be in regular routines. They like to constantly and consistently be working on something new here. But it looks like our highest indicators are our highest little bars on this graph here. And we'll make this available to everybody at theartofcharm.com on the website in this post in the show notes here. Passion and mystique. And then that's that's the general population. And the Art of Charm population just has a ton more mystique than the average population.
1: Yeah, yeah no, it's crazy. It's 70, um, 75% more than the average population. In other words, it's almost double the average population who have primary mystique. So mystique personalities are, are it's very prevalent in social media. People who, um, who it, instead of, uh, instead of going and buzzing around the office, they like to listen to high quality content. They like to observe and absorb. Um, they like to learn before they before they speak. And so that's something that makes a lot of sense, that people are so involved with your podcast in, in kind of a, a wonderfully fanatical way.
0: <laughs> I'm okay with the fanaticism. I don't know. What do you think, Jason? Feeds my complex adequately? Uh, yeah, it's right up your alley. Yeah. Well,
1: let's talk for just a moment about also... Um, what happens when mystique goes wrong, you know, when when it turns into this danger zone, people have primary mystique advantage. They're strategic. They're cool headed. They're great at negotiations because they don't they don't uh, they don't play their hand too quickly. But if they rely too much on mystique and they kind of they um they feel like they're getting pushed too hard, they close up. They're seen as unemotional or mechanical or disinterested. And so that's an important thing. If you do have a primary mistake to to know that about yourself, that sometimes you have to say you're doing a presentation. If you look like you don't care, nobody else is going to care.
0: Right. Okay. so so we kind of we have to pay attention to that carefully. And of course, we have to make sure that we're, as we usually do here at AOC, paying attention to how we're being perceived, because it seems like. Especially if we're used to being able to to display high engagement and things like that, the problem is if we stop doing that and we go back to our baseline, people just think, oh, he's disinterested or doesn't care or is disengaged, even if we're just thinking about something else. And I know that for me, that's been a problem in the past is just yeah. even even Jen will say, like, you didn't pay any attention to my parents, friends. And I'm thinking I'm studying Chinese and they're all speaking Chinese. (laughs) And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to say next. So, yeah, I'm not smiling and bantering back and forth or whatever. I mean, I'm occupied with other things, but that doesn't cut it when you're looking at, you know, niceties and manners and things like that. I also noticed that the language of creativity among the AOC audience is higher than average.
1: Very much higher. Um, In fact, it is uh, it's 34 percent higher. So what that means is. This is, you, you have an audience that wants to change the game. They don't, like we were talking about a moment ago, they don't want to keep doing the same things over and over. They don't want to get stuck in a rut. They'd rather have the opportunity to build their own schedule um, and to, to change how they're doing things. A lot of people are really uncomfortable with innovation. They don't want to be put in a position where they have to make it up as they go along. Uh, when I talk to authors, there are kind of two camps of authors. Half of them want to be able to have complete free reign to be able to write write in their own way, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. And the other half wants uh, they, they want to have a structure from their editor. So um, there isn't one that's right or wrong. But like we were saying earlier, we were talking about how being funny is in the eye of the beholder. Humor is in the eye of the beholder. So with likability, leadership, all kinds of subjective qualities that it's rooted in the perception of others. So you, you might see yourself as lovable, but if people see you as cold hearted, there's a disconnect. If you think you're respected, but nobody agrees you're out of luck. If you think you're practical but nobody else thinks so, then you're not practical. If you think you're good with kids <laughs> but kids cry and run to the other side of the street, then you're not good with kids. And that's why it's so important. <laughs> Unless you speaker. really don't like kids, then that's the perfect outcome. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, other uh, than that, uh, so don't don't try to become a birthday party clown. So this is this is kind of the key takeaway. Look at yourself from the outside in systematically measure the effect that you're having on your listener so that you can improve it instead of just having um, connections and relationships and good impressions be something that's luck of the draw. We want to make sure that that it's a matter of choice, that it's not random. Like if you're a comedian, then it's really important for you to understand if other people think you're funny. If you're a crisis negotiator, it's really important to to know if other people are um, are listening huh. to what you're saying as you're saying it. And that's, that, it, that's a different way of us thinking about relationships, to think that we can't talk for the sake of talking. We have to think if we're adding value, if we're contributing to the other person, because once they tune us.
2: Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify.
3: That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you
2: covered.
3: and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries.
2: Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify.
3: Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data. And a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the
3: busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's out. We've damaged our brand.
0: Now we've talked about what the AOC audience is. Mystique, innovation. That's awesome and super flattering. Let's talk about what the AOC audience is not, which is so shockingly low in the alert category.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. We were talking a little bit before about alert personalities. I, myself, as an individual, score, score very low in alert. That means I'm really not good at micromanaging. Um, um, I, I'm, I'm not good at Excel docs. Spreadsheets make me want to shove a mechanical pencil in my eye. So when I'm working on a project, I'm not going to be good at the details, otherwise it's going to be exhausting for me. So that's why I partner with people who really are good with the details. Your audience as a whole is 50% less likely than the average population to have alert. That means they're um, um, they they score far far lower than the million people that we've measured in the average population. And that's not a bad thing. It just means that when people have to do something that's detail oriented, if they score low and alert like me, they have a choice. They can either um, delegate it to someone else, like having a partnership. They can discipline themselves. To, uh, to focus on it in a hardcore way, maybe one hour a day. They do all the minutia in their email inbox, or they can delete it by simply deciding that that's not part of what they're gonna offer professionally. I I, I make a point of never doing things that involve spreadsheets. I either have my team do it, or um, I, I choose just not to do it. And that's where the research comes in behind this. Um, I I don't create the spreadsheets, but I did all the research behind it initially. We all have certain ways in which we have advantages and to focus on that, to not try to change it, to become more of who you are is the best way that you're gonna add value, not by being all things to all people.
0: Right, so don't try to get well-rounded with all this stuff, focus on your strengths.
1: Well-rounded sucks. You know, well-rounded is a myth that worked really, really well about a decade ago because you didn't have to be extraordinary in any one particular area. When when we've when we've gone in and measured high performers in companies like um, like Twitter, the high performers aren't good at everything. They don't try to be good at everything. They're specialists in specific areas in which they can radically over deliver. And that's kind of the key of understanding everything that we're talking about now. You you don't have to make everybody happy. You don't have to always make a positive first impression. In fact, you you shouldn't, and you can't. But you do need to know the situations in which you have the highest likelihood of winning. So that you can go in, play your A game and over deliver in the way that's going to feel most natural and energizing for you.
0: Sally, thank you so much. And by the way, if you want to take this quiz, if you're interested in the AOC results and you want your own results, you can go to howtofascinate.com slash you and use the conference code charm. A lot of people said, oh, I bought the full thing. And I thought it's free, but okay, (laughs) It's free. Yeah. Yeah.
1: People can upgrade if they want to, but they can get the basis of their results. And then they can compare it with other people, with the, the the body of people who've already done it.
0: Yeah, and super interesting. Thanks so much, Sally, for taking the time.
1: Cool beans. Thanks, you guys. It's always great talking with you.
0: Thank you. you. Likewise. Bye bye great big thank you to Sally Hogshead. The book, of course, is fascinating if you're not already a huge Sally Hogshead fan. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to thank Sally on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well. Remember, you can tap your phone screen in most mobile podcast players to see the show notes for this episode, and we'll link to the show notes directly on your phone. I'm also on Twitter at The Art of Charm, and it's a great way to engage with us. Also, I post a lot of articles and insights and other things there. Our live programs are at theartofcharm.com as well. This is by far and away my favorite part of running The Art of Charm. The results that people are getting in our live programs over the last 10 years are just incredible. It's so much fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to take part in, so definitely check us out there. Bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. And if you're new to what we're doing here, I encourage you to join the AOC Challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge. Or if you're in the States, you can text the word charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. The challenge is about improving your networking skills and your connection skills and inspiring those around you to develop personal and professional relationships with you. We'll also email you our fundamentals toolbox that I mentioned earlier on the show, and I do regular videos with drills and exercises to help you move forward. It'll make you a better networker, a better connector, and of course, a better thinker. That's theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444. For the full show notes for this and all previous episodes, head on over to the slash podcast. This episode of AOC was produced by Jason DeFilippo. Jason Sanderson is our audio engineer and editor, and the show notes on the website are by Robert Fogarty. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. Go ahead, tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. So stay charming and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com.